Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Okay, this time up we're going to do something kind of cool. I, I uh, found this nugget of, of a passage from the Urantia book. From Urantia book, it's unfortunately, it's sad because this paper, uh, paper 1278, so paper 12, paragraph 7, section 1 through section 8, the part of the whole is just one of these gems. In fact, I, I actually read it this weekend because I was thinking of the passage, the part and the whole, whenever there's a shooting or some sort of a mass event that causes casualty, I tend to think about what the Arantia book says about, you know, why does God allow such things, right? It's always the question, why does God allow such things? And uh, this particular segment gets lost, and it's a very complex deep explanation of what happens and how the universes are controlled. It's pretty heavy stuff. Most people, I would venture, would never get to this paragraph. And yet this paragraph perfectly illustrates the divine wisdom that is to be held in the Arantia book. I'm going to read this to you as it is without interruption. And it is unbelievable. I would share this with anybody that you think could use this information. But it really lays out. And it's, again, it's unfortunate because it's it's just buried in the seventh section of this paper, 12. And you would not normally read it unless you were intent on reading the entire book. And yet here it is, this wonderful segment. Paper 12, Section 7, Paragraph 1 The Part and the Whole There is operative throughout all time and space an impersonal law which is equivalent to the function of a cosmic providence. Mercy characterizes God's attitude of love for the individual. Impartiality motivates God's attitude toward the total. The will of God does not necessarily prevail in the part, the heart of any one personality, but his will does actually rule the whole, the universe of universes. In all his dealings with his with with all of his beings, it is true that the laws of God are not inherently arbitrary. To you, with your limited vision and finite viewpoint, the acts of God must often appear to be dictatorial and arbitrary. 
The laws of God are merely the habits of God, His way of repeatedly doing things, and He ever does all things well. You observe that God does the same thing in the same way repeatedly, simply because that is the best way to do that particular thing in a given circumstance. And the best way is the right way. And therefore, does infinite wisdom always order it done in the precise and perfect manner? You should also remember that nature is not the exclusive act of deity. Other influences are present in those phenomena which man calls nature. It is repugnant to the divine nature to suffer any sort of deterioration or ever to permit the execution of any purely personal act in an inferior way. It should be made clear, however, that if, in the divinity of any situation, in the extremity of any circumstance, in any case where the course of supreme wisdom might indicate the man for different conduct, if the demands of perfection might for any reason dictate another method of reaction, a better one, then and there would the all-wise God function in that better and more suitable way. That would be the expression of a higher law, not the reversal of a lower law. God is not habit-bound. He is not a habit-bound slave to the chronicity of the repetition of his own voluntary acts. There is no conflict among the laws of the infinite. They are all perfections of the infallible nature. They are all the unquestioned acts expressive of faultless decisions. Law is the unchanging reaction of an infinite, perfect, and divine mind. The acts of God are all volitional, notwithstanding this apparent sameness. In God there is no variableness, neither shadow of changing. But all of this which can be truly said of the Universal Father cannot be said with equal certainty of all of His subordinate intelligences or of His evolutionary creatures. Because God is changeless, therefore you can depend in all ordinary circumstances on His doing the same thing in the same identical and ordinary way. God is the assurance of stability for all created things and beings. He is God, therefore He changes not. And all of this steadfastness of conduct and uniformity of action is personal, conscious, and highly volitional. For the great God is not a helpless slave to his own perfection and infinity. God is not a self-acting automatic force. He is not a slavish law-bound power. God is neither a mathematical equation nor a chemical formula. He is a free will and primal personality. He is the universal Father, a being surcharged with personality and the universal fount of all creature personality. The will of God does not uniformly prevail in the heart of God-seeking material mortal. But if the time frame is enlarged 
beyond the moment to embrace the whole of the first life, then God's will becomes increasingly discernible in the spirit fruits which are born in the lives of the spirit-led children of God. And then, if human life is further enlarged to include the Marantia experience, the next life, the divine will is observed to shine brighter and brighter, and the spiritualizing acts of those creatures of time who have begun to taste the divine delights of experiencing the relationship of the personality of man with the personality of the Universal Father. The fatherhood of God and the brotherhood of man present the paradox of the part and the whole on the level of personality. God loves each individual as an individual child in the heavenly family. Yet God thus loves every individual. He is no respecter of persons, and the universality of his love brings into being a relationship of the whole, the universal brotherhood. The love of the Father absolutely individualizes each personality as a unique child of the universal Father, a child without duplicate in infinity, a will creature irreplaceable in all eternity. The Father's love glorifies each child of God illuminating each member of the celestial family, sharply silhouetting the unique nature of each personal being against the impersonal levels that lie outside the fraternal circuit of the Father of all. The love of God strikingly portrays the transcendent value of each will creature unmistakably reveals the high value which the Universal Father has placed upon each and every one of His children, from the highest Creator personality of Paradise status to the lowest personality of will dignity among the savage tribes of men and the dawn of the human species on some evolutionary world of time and space. This very love of God for the individual brings into being the divine family of all individuals, the universal brotherhood of the free will children of the Paradise Father. And this brotherhood being universal is a relationship of the whole. Brotherhood, when universal, discloses not the each relationship, but the all relationship. Brotherhood is a reality of the total and therefore discloses qualities of the whole in contradistinction to the qualities of the part. Brotherhood constitutes a fact of relationship between every personality in universal existence. No person can escape the benefits or the penalties that may come as a result of relationship to other persons. The part profits or suffers in measure with the whole. The good effort of each man benefits all men. The error or evil acts of each man augments the tribulation of all men. As moves the part, so moves the whole. As the progress of the whole, so the progress of the part. 
the relative velocities of part and whole determine whether the part is retarded by the inertia of the whole or is carried forward by the momentum of the cosmic brotherhood. It is a mystery that God is a highly personal, self-conscious being with residential headquarters, and at the same time, personally present, of such a vast universe, and personally in contact with such a well-nigh infinite number of beings, that such a phenomena is a mystery beyond human comprehension, should not in the least lessen your faith. Do not allow the magnitude of the infinity, the immensity of the eternity, and the grandeur and glory of the matchless character of God to overawe, stagger, or discourage you. For the Father is not very far from any one of you. He dwells within you. And in Him do we all literally move, actually live, and veritably have our being. Even though the Paradise Father functions through His divine creators and His creature children, He also enjoys the most intimate inner contact with you, so sublime, so highly personal, that it is even beyond my own comprehension, that mysterious communion of the Father fragment with the human soul and with the mortal mind of its actual indwelling. Knowing what you do of these gifts of God, you therefore know that the Father is in intimate touch, not only with His divine associates, but also with His evolutionary mortal children of time. The Father indeed abides on paradise, but His divine presence also dwells in the minds of men. Even though the spirit of a son be poured out upon all flesh, even though a son once dwelt with you in the likeness of mortal flesh, even though the seraphim personally guard and guide you, how can any of these divine beings of the second and third centuries ever hope to come as near to you or to understand you as fully as the Father who has given a part of himself to be in you, to be your real and divine, even your eternal self. And that is just one section from part 12. Ooh, boy, that covers a lot of ground, doesn't it? So the next time you think of a tragedy that occurs or a misstep in, uh, in human society where one person inflicts a tremendous amount of pain, try to remember that that one line which is where I get the part in the whole. No person can escape the benefits or the penalties that may come as a result of relationship to other persons. The part profits or suffers in measure with the whole. The good effort of each man benefits all men. The error or evil of each man augments the tribulation of all men. And so on the one hand, we as a society have recently witnessed that we all did indeed benefit from the collaborative efforts of all the people of the health industry to help ward off what could have been a, uh, an enormously tragic pandemic. But instead, we benefited as a whole by this brotherhood of association, this desire to solve this issue, 
that's a good illustration of how the whole benefit or the, the part benefits from the whole. But then in the case when you have, say, a person who goes on a wild rampage, as we recently saw in Boulder, Colorado, there is an example of, of the, the part retarding the inertia of the whole. So you see that the part and the whole are related. But it is probably my most favorite as I read this passage. I may even set it to memory. And I just wanted to bring to you your attention on this wonderful segment from, from the first part of the Arantia book, paper 12, section 7, paragraphs 1 through 11. Truly inspiring. And thank you for joining me this time on the Arantia Radio Podcast.